What a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Yeah. To beautiful follow day. up a beautiful movie. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, let's kick this off. I'm Bobby Navia. And I am Dorian Weinzimmer. And this is The Couch, everybody. Welcome back. Um, episode 51, Dorian. Yep, that's right. We had some fun the last two weeks with, yeah. with Jeremy and Sean. We did, but we're back to OG couch. We're back to OG couch. Yeah, uh, we're, uh, um, it was awesome doing it with them, but uh, you know, sorry guys, but I'm happy to be rid of the bloat. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to thank Sean and Jeremy for joining. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, thank you guys very much. It was awesome, and also Sean, thank you once again for letting us come to the studio at yes. Base Camp, where he records such podcasts as Edgard's Secrets of the Tower. I know. I felt rework. bad when I listened yeah. to the listen to the podcast last. Uh, he didn't like plug it at the end again. Like oh, he said, he yeah. was gonna do it in the beginning, and mm-hmm. then like we wrapped up with a little, just sort of like cutting it off. In yeah. Sentence. Yeah. I guess could have just cut in the same one he put in the first. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. Yeah. But whatever. I gotta. You go. know, we threw you a bone. It's not. It's not our fault if you <laughs> failed to take advantage of the opportunity in front of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay. I can't. Uh, I can't think of a better movie to kick off. Year two, yeah, if you will, yeah, that's right. Of uh, of the couch here, this is like our like almost to the date, right? Yes. The last one was like our one year mm-hmm. anniversary. Yeah. So yeah, so we are now into year two, episode fifty one. Fifty one, yeah, fifty one. Um, okay, so last night uh, we're gonna do. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, yeah, here on the couch we review movie trailers, just the trailers, and um, we talk about. How the trailers are edited, movie trailers are edited, uh, the actors, directors, producers. Uh, the trailer is like uh, the umbrella for a larger corporation, larger corporate, larger conversation mm-hmm. on uh, movies, genres, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then sometimes we just go on tangents, which are also pretty fun, mm-hmm. too. Uh, and every once in a while, uh, last week, if you don't know, if you're joining us for the first time, we did a two parter, episode 49 and 50 are. Uh, the trailer to Beach Bum, and then we went and saw the movie and then reviewed the Beach Bum, um, which is out today officially in theaters, if you're curious. Yeah, don't bother. And, uh, <laughs> um, and uh, every once in a while, Dorian and I, uh, along with some, you know, whether it's like Sean or Daryl or Jeremy, we'll go see a movie at Music Box or anything, and it's just so good yeah. or so bad that we need to dedicate a whole it's, episode. It's noteworthy on one end of the spectrum or the <laughs> other to the point that we just need to talk about it. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so everything Bobby just said is not what we're doing today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is normally what we do. Yes. Um, but uh, but yeah, last night we had the pleasure, pleasure. of seeing S. Craig Zoller's new movie, Dragged, Aco- Dragged Across Concrete, which was exceptional yes. and we both just needed to spend a, an enormous amount of time gushing about it and talking about every little detail of this movie so uh i guess i'll just issue the spoiler alert right now yes we're definitely going to get into you know everything about this film um because it, it all bears discussion mm-hmm. uh however the movie is available on vod Right. So you can actually go right now over to, you know, what, Amazon or iTunes or Vudu or wherever and rent the movie and watch it and have a extraordinary experience with cinema as we did last night. If you if it is playing in a theater near you, we would highly recommend the theatrical experience. Yes. Um, sound design is really exceptional. And, um, yeah, watching it in a theater was was a real pleasure. But uh, but. You can actually just watch it at home right now as well. And, uh, you know, I dare say that no matter how you watch this movie, it's going to 
have its impact, you know? <laughs> yeah. We had read a lot about, about this movie when it played in the festival circuit because um, it's, you know, it was a bit controversial in some ways. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, and then, yeah, when I, you know, so we both got excited for it. Also, based on the strength of uh, Mr. Zoller's previous work, uh, he did uh, wrote and directed Bone Tomahawk uh, with Kurt Russell and Patrick Wilson and is a really, really excellent uh, cannibal Western movie. Um, he wrote and directed Brawl in Cell Block 99 with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Carpenter and Don Johnson's in that one as well. Okay. Um, which I wasn't too crazy about, um, but I was like, there were things about it that, you know, still I liked about it. It was like, I understand that like this guy knows genre work yeah, and like he really understands the like seventies sort of cult genre cinema that, you know, so many people try to copy nowadays. And like, he actually understands like what the spirit of those types of movies are. And, um, and yeah, he, he was getting at something with brawl that just didn't connect with me. I think just because of Vince Vaughn, who I haven't been much of a fan of. Um, and then he wrote, uh, the excellent puppet master, the littlest Reich. <laughs> Which was, uh, I don't remember who directed it. I think it was a directing team, two people. Yeah. But um, but he wrote it, and that was just a brilliant script. <laughs> <laughs> and and then this is his third movie as writer-director. Yes. Uh, as this film dragged across concrete. Right. And uh, it's it's just exceptional. But but so anyway, the trailer uh, is sort of intentionally, or, I, you know, it's one of these movies that, like, you, you can't really convey what this film is in a trailer. Um, cause it's, you know, it's no. not family friendly yeah and also there's certain things that you really wouldn't want to give away, mm-hmm. um, because it really does like, it puts you, you know, very much in the position of the lead characters right where you only know what they know what really. They know. And that's one of its really greatest strengths. So, so please, we both implore you if you have not watched this movie, stop this podcast right now, fucking watch the movie and then you can come back and listen. What Dorian said. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. So, yeah, um, we're in agreement on this. So let's just start with, like, overall overall thoughts on the movie. Yeah. I was completely engaged the entire time. Yeah. Like, I, I actually didn't want it to end. Even right. when it was over, I was kind of like, damn. <laughs> we're done. I could have been here for a while longer yeah. still, like, <laughs> just living with this. Um, yeah, really, really fascinating, uh, you know, the entire way through. The the style in which it's made is, like, really unique. And, I, I mean, I guess just in general, like, what was so exciting about it is, like, this movie is just bold. It's not about any one, you know, bit of, like, race relations or cops and criminals or, you know, who's on the right side of the law or, like, things like that. It's mm-hmm. it's about all of that, like, in society nowadays. Right. And it just, it approaches all of that with such, like, earnestness and sincerity, mm-hmm. and unflinchingly so, you know, not to say that it's this, like, really, you know, heartfelt movie. It certainly has moments in it that really, really yeah. hit me emotionally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure. There's other moments where I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, part of me was like, is it okay for me to be laughing right now? <laughs> right, know? right, yeah. Um, but it was one of those, like, yeah, fuck it. Like, this movie's not afraid to say these things and do these things. And, like, I'm sorry, but, like, even inject, like, humor and humanity into some of this stuff instead of just trying to make it this, like, agenda-driven polemic, you know? Right. It's It really is, like, it. it's not, it's not unduly harsh or artificially kind to anybody Mm -hmm. it just is sort of like this is just what it is yeah you know and you know even like the the character like vince vaughn and mel gibson's characters the two police officers that are obviously are not like the most 
you know, racially welcoming people in the world. Yeah. You know, it's also based on the movie. It's 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 hard to label them as just like horrible racists as well. Yeah. You know, they, they do kind of like, yes, they have less than, you know, completely accepting opinions about minorities, Mm -hmm. but they're also, they don't go like out of their way to just like be assholes to minorities all the time. You know, right. It plays into that whole idea of like, you know, this guy's a cop who's been, you know, they get in trouble for mistreating a suspect who's Hispanic, Mm -hmm. but this guy was selling drugs to kids. Right. You know, but the optics on it just looked like him just beating, you know, a Hispanic guy because he was Hispanic. And it's like, no, it was because he was a drug dealer. Correct. Who was selling drugs to children. Right. Right. You know, but because of like kind of this, you know, uh, the way the culture has shifted, which, again, in general is like a good thing. But Mm -hmm. also people have gone way overboard. Yeah. With just like condemning everyone for any, you know, there's this amazing line in the movie, even Vince Vaughn talking about like, you know, the. uh, the entertainment industry, formerly known as the media, <laughs> um, you know, is it will, you know, they, they don't seem to understand the irony of addressing any perceived intolerance with complete intolerance. Right. You know, and like that was such a I just hit the nail on the head, you yeah. know, for like it set the tone for the whole movie, mm-hmm. you know, it was like. You really need to. That's when they're like, talking to like their captain. And yeah, stuff, right? like yeah, right yeah. when they first are getting like suspended, suspended because this. It. Yeah, somebody took a video of them while they were making right. this bust, and um, and yeah, sure they were you know being aggressive. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's like you know they're dealing with a drug dealer who's selling drugs to kids and shit. You yeah. know, it's it's like that's not a cut and dry black and white situation. Right. You know, that's there's a lot of nuance to that. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, like neither one of them is right in this situation. I think that's really like, again, a big part of what this movie is. And and I think feeding into you wanted to talk about like genre cinema in particular. Yeah. yeah. And especially like 70s genre cinema, which really dealt with like antiheroes and very nuanced, like, you know, not we're living in this really gray area, you know, and like there was some. You know, society at that time was in really, you know, there was a lot of turmoil in the country in the 70s as well, especially in like New York, where right. a lot of these movies, uh, those movies were set, um, like Taxi Driver, of course, being a super famous one that I think this movie definitely has a, uh, you know, it was a debt of gratitude to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like Dog Day Afternoon and, you know, a lot of these movies that that dealt with, yeah, you know, it's in some ways kind of like let's try to understand this person, yeah. you know, like rather than just condemn them, let's actually take a like deep dive look at like what this mentality is mm-hmm. and try to understand that because that's the only way you're ever going to like, you know, win hearts and minds and like change people. You can't just yeah. like yell at people and say like, you're fucking wrong. Right. You know, agree with me or you're a piece of shit. Like right. nobody's going to, you know, in any honest way, you know, they might tell you, okay, you're right. You're right. Like, you know, just to like diffuse the situation, they're mm-hmm. going to go home and they're just going to keep saying the same shit, you right. know, like, you actually want to change people's minds. You can't like bully them into it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and like being able to actually like understand where people are coming from and like why they believe these things is the key to being able to address those things you right. know, and actually yeah. make a substantial substantive change. Um, there's a, <clears throat> there's a part. I really like the movie too. I, I, I really, really dug it a lot. I'll be honest. In, in the beginning, it, it took a little bit for me to get going mm-hmm. with it. Um, uh, but, the great thing about everything that you're talking about is like the opening of the movie opens with, you know, we're, we're so used to thinking like the the first person that we see in the movie, in a movie, will be our main character mm-hmm. throughout. 
right? So it's definitely like a tonal shift when it ends up not being that character. Right. Right. Yeah. So the the opening of the movie opens with, you know, a black character. Uh and, you know, who's just got out of jail and he's having sex with a uh, an Asian woman. Um and, you know, clearly they went to school together, but then we're we're with him for a whole stretch of time, like maybe 15, 20 minutes where his buddy's giving him a ride home and we're just, you know, he's going inside and um, talking with his mother and we just get to see his life and like we he's he's established there. Yeah. And then, you know, to your point about uh you know how this movie deals with racism and it's just like bringing up the question and showing showing you 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 don't have to like agree with it and how uh you know like all of it all of it being informed there was this scene in the movie where Mel Gibson has a daughter who's being uh harassed uh by a bunch of black kids uh on the street and like the level of harassment that's shown in the movie is there's a kid who's riding a bike who uh, grabs a drink out of his buddy's hand and, and, you know, throws orange pop on her. Mm. And, like, that's it. There's no words. There's no, you know, racial epitaphs being thrown out. It's just this simple action. Yeah. And she walks away, right? And so uh, Mel Gibson's wife has MS, and she used to be, uh, you know, in law enforcement. And, you know, Mel Gibson is has just been put on, you know, like uh, suspension or probation or whatever. And... Um, there's there's a conversation that they have about needing to get out of the neighborhood. And the wife says, you know, I never thought I would I would consider myself a racist after like living in this neighborhood. Uh, but now I really have to like question, you know, whether like I might be because of like the people that are, you know, endangering like my kid on a daily basis. Do you know what I mean? And like when I was when I heard that like line of dialogue that she was saying, like, I, I really kind of like sympathize. It was, like, it was like the first time where I was, I thought to myself, like, am I sympathizing with a racist character right now? Or mm. with a character realizing that she might be racist, like towards black people because of like what's happening to her daughter. And I might, <laughs> might I actually be in support of this like yeah. level of thinking? You <laughs> right. Know? So, um, and I think that's, what's kind of like great about the movie in general is that it, it, it makes you think about that, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not, by the end of the movie saying like, Hey, if you agree with all these people, like you're just as bad as them and like you're a racist. Right. But it's just, you know, like you said, like asking that question and like bringing up that conversation of just like, you know, like how, how justified or non-justified is a lot of the racism in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like if, if someone were to have that conversation with you one-on-one and not in a big group or a big digital group like Twitter, like, could you actually feel like how I felt right now when I heard those lines being spoken by just a, a character, uh, a woman who has a, a daughter that she's looking out for. Right. You know what I mean? And and not just with like black people, but just with like any race. I mean, it could be the same thing if as if, you know, uh, the family in that movie was like um, was black and they were talking about like, you know, white people right. or Mexican or, you know, whatever. Yeah. When I mentioned before about like this guy just understands like 70s cult and genre cinema so well and like mm-hmm. the spirit of it would really makes it work. Um, you know, that's really a big part of it to me is like, you know, Cops, criminals, black, white, Hispanic, like nobody's a saint, right. you know, and nobody, nobody's innocent and nobody's completely guilty either. Because when I think when I think of like when when like a movie comes out and they're just like like, you know, like a, like a punch review or something that's on on like the poster or one of the commercials, it's just like it's like a, it, 
it's like a cult movie or like, you know, it has like this 70s vibe to it and stuff. For one thing, you think about the music, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about because it's awesome. In yeah, this movie. music in this movie rules. <laughs> um, you know, but I also think of something like, I think of something extreme like the movie Black Dynamite, mm-hmm. where it's like making a parody of it, almost mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, but I also think of like camera moves like, you know, zooming in and zooming out really quick. Right. And like, you know, the the blood looks like, Re- like almost like ketchup yeah and, you know, like right it's really it's like red. low budget or this it's and that or whatever films all grainy yeah, yeah exactly you know so you, you think about I, I feel like i think about it being like kind of dumb just because of today's standards yeah do you know what i mean in terms of like uh, in terms of like action or like cops and robbers movies mm-hmm. but i think y- y- right now we're hearing you talk about you know the you know the 70s and everything i think like you know, as Craig Zeller, like, really good genre, but I, I also feel like that equals into, like, him really understanding the gray area mm-hmm. that, like, everybody and those movies, like, live in. And that's, like, the heart of those movies yeah. that if you can weed through, like, damn, that was a badass car chase. Mm-hmm. Or damn, that fucking shootout was the shit. Yeah. Like, kind of like what we did with Year of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. It's like, we, we definitely weeded through it and we're just like, holy fuck, man, like, this movie like was just a lot more than like the, yeah. the 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 craziness that we thought we were seeing with 2018 2019 eyes totally you like, know what i mean yeah even though it has some things that immediately kind of like make you go whoa yeah. you know like <laughs> yeah. you know you've got to like you've still got to consider it on its own merits you know yeah. and like understand that like what is is this what is this movie really trying to say to me you right. know like sure there's things that are like so that can be so like off-putting mm-hmm. or just seems so disgusting, you know, that you're, you kind of like, you, you know, your brain like shuts off in a it's, way because you're, just, you're like, dude, I can't like this <laughs> yeah. guy's a fucking monster, you yeah, know, yeah. or whatever. And it's, it's up to the audience to be able to get past that a little bit, yeah. you know, and sure you don't have to let go of that thought, Mm-mm. but dig a little deeper as well, you know, uh, and, and the movie, if it's a good movie is right. going to like present you with things that, that sort of, I don't quite want to say like temper that, but like add more to the mix, you know, that yeah. creates a more uh, a more in-depth look at these things and these people and what and these attitudes. Right. I got a question for you. I was uh, like I've been thinking about this movie. I was, we saw it yesterday, last I, night. Yeah. I, I haven't stopped thinking about I it. I dreamt about it. <laughs> I woke up this morning thinking about it. I, I like I'm thinking about it now. The more I talk about it, the more thoughts are coming. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's the um, best. <laughs> I was trying to think of like other genre movies that I could say like this. It could be considered in the same family as Drag to Cause Concrete. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and I, I don't know if it I don't know if it is, which is why I want to tell you the name of this movie and yeah. potentially have a, a, you know, a conversation to build off of it. But I thought of the movie, um, is made in 97. It was directed by Kevin Reynolds called one eight seven with Samuel Jackson. Right. And I remember watching that movie and like it having a pretty profound impact on me mainly because, you know, the end of it tells you that it was written by a teacher mm-hmm. and like, after watching Dragged Across Concrete, I just kept thinking about the movie, that movie more. And I was just thinking about like how, wow, that movie I feel like is another movie that just like puts people on display, hmm. you know, with certain mind steps. But then it also shows you like somebody who's like snapped. Okay. And, like what they, what they go. Did you ever see it? I've never seen it. No. Um, I remember it when it came out yeah, and everything. I'm yeah. familiar with the premise, but I, yeah, I never actually saw it. Yeah. I mean, Samuel Jackson plays a teacher who gets assaulted. Uh, he gets, he pretty much gets like in, in the school he's teaching, he gets like prison shanked. 
by a uh, student mm-hmm. and we don't see him for a while. And like then he gets transferred to another school where there is a uh, group of Latinos who are, you know, just causing trouble, this and that or whatever, you know. And he's kind of like he's kind of like a le- not a legend, but like the, all the other teachers know the story of a teacher who got stabbed a bunch of times but they don't know it's him until like a little bit into the movie right and okay. they're all wondering why he's come back to like teach again and mm-hmm. stuff and the movie portrays samuel jackson as like a really 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 interesting uh you know kind of do-gooder of a guy you know who wants to do good and stuff and um he takes a a, a latina student under his wing at one point to like teach her about uh, uh you know I like to tutor her actually mm-hmm. and the night that she comes over he goes into the kitchen to like get something like uh, tea or coffee or whatever and when he comes back she's she's fully naked on the couch because her mentality is is you know i have to give something to get something back no one does anything nice mm-hmm. it's not explained in it but the the shot of her laying there on the couch naked and the shock that he has and he just says put your clothes on is enough to put those two together where you're just like, oh, this is what she's used to is this. Right. And so for it's it's foreign to her for someone to be like, no, 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 you don't have to do that. Like, I actually want to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, some of the Latino kids end up start end up uh, they end up uh, dead in the movie. And uh, we're led to believe that it's him. And there's this kind of like gray area mm-hmm. of whether or not it is. Uh, by the end of the movie, we do find out that he ha- he has snapped and he has been the one that has been killing off these kids. Uh, and the end of the movie is he plays a Russian roulette game with the leader of of this of this gang of kids that's terrorizing the school. Okay. And I'd never seen anything like it before. And then at the end of it, to realize like this movie was written by a teacher was like, yeah. Well, fuck. That's yeah, that's damn. that's kind of scary, but like kind of pretty bold at the same time too. Right. You yeah. Know? And the, and it's interesting to have like like you know uh, like Vince Vaughn's characters and Mel Gibson's characters, uh, these characters who like you know they ride a, a gray area of of society. And I was kind of putting Samuel L. Jackson's like teacher character like in that mold yeah. as well, where it's just like yeah, it is it is it is kind of like a gray area until you realize that like he's he's crossed the line, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, so that's, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's all, you know, really bold, powerful stuff, especially right. to put at the end, like not just put a writing credit, but like this was written by a teacher, yes. you know, it's like, again, going back to, you know, what we were talking about before, it's like, you got to have, you know, to be able to know that like you can be honest about these thoughts that you've had yes. and open them up for discussion without yes. fear of just immediate superficial reprisal, you know, for or condemnation for just even like being honest with the fact that you've thought these things before, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that should be met with discussion. You yeah. know, it shouldn't just be met with like, well, you're the problem, you know, like blah, blah, blah. It's all yeah, this. Yeah. It's like, well, no, like again, if you, I mean, even that movie, it's like just from your description of it, you can tell what the real problems are, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not that they were ra- It's the things that made them this way, you know, yes, are the problems. Yes, yes. Yes. And like, that's what needs to be addressed. Right. Not just like the words that come out of their mouth. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that's really awesome. Actually, I'm really interested to watch the movie now. Yeah, but, um, I haven't watched it in years. I know I have a DVD copy of it. Yeah, I don't think it's gotten like a Blu-ray release, like a re-release or anything like that. But mm-hmm. it's always a movie that's like when I saw it when I was when I was younger, just always left like an impact because yeah. I, I had never. I think when I was, once I got into like film school, like and and just 
my film education just got better and better and better. Like, you know, there's the the Russian roulette and like a deer hunter. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So like, I think that like before seeing that, like my Russian roulette moment in a movie was like one eight seven where okay. a teacher <laughs> was just kind of like, we're going to play this game. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And it was just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, Damn. <laughs> I didn't, you can do this kind of thing. And yeah. It's okay. You know what I mean? And even watching that movie, I didn't feel sort of like, yeah, I hope he gets them. It might've been one of the first earliest feelings of like how we did watching Year of the Dragon, you know, after talking through it and dragged across concrete. Cause I don't think we'd be able to have this sort of like, I'm actually kind of glad we watched Year of the Dragon mm-hmm. like before this. Yeah. Cause now I have this whole new, like, you know, now I can weed out those movies. Right, yeah. Kind of like a broader perspective on like right. what a discussion of these really complicated issues really like looks like in yeah. cinema. You know, in that that is done in like any sort of effective way. Right, right, right. Um because you know, it, it was funny too. I was thinking about um I was thinking about American History X, you know, just Ooh, as yeah. you know, a bit just as far as like, you know, a movie that dealt with like racial issues that actually like had a pretty pretty big mainstream success yeah pretty well received and well, yeah. yeah and you know it was really you know won awards and like all this type of stuff and you know it was it was interesting because it, the more i was i haven't watched the movie in a while same um i mean you know it's it's one that sticks with you like i yeah. remember it pretty well um but uh you know it was interesting thinking about like wow you know there's actually a lot of things that i i actually am like losing a little bit of respect for that movie and the way it like okay. dealt with those things okay because in a way it made these like you know, it made these concessions to make the conversation more palatable. And I don't, you know, for, for all of its, you know, like the curb stomping is obviously a really impactful scene. Right, right. Uh, no pun. Um, but, uh, you know, in a, making him, making Edward Norton's character both a racist and the reformed racist at the same time with mm-hmm. this sort of like flashback structure of the movie. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, again, plays to this sort of like, you know, oh, you know, s- there's an easy way to like redemption mm-hmm. or an easy path to redemption in a way. Um, you know, that, that I thought like, you know, was sort of a concession made to make it more palatable that like he's, okay. cr- he can be the, the, he can be the same person criticizing his past self because now he's like come around and seen the light. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Edward Norton's playing the younger brother who's starting to become, you know, getting in with the wrong crowd, the old group that he used to hang with. Edward, Still Furl- look- Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. Yeah. Furlong. Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, and still looking up to that pre-reformed version of his older brother and like trying to impress that guy right. rather than, you know, the one that exists now. Right. And then, the, yeah, the obviously tragic ending mm-hmm. uh, and everything. But, you know, that I, I thought made it it kind of made it all like a little bit of like an easier pill to swallow than it should be, because yeah. like at the end of the day, there was still like, you know, as 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 tragic as it was that Furlong's character, you know, ends up getting killed at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, even though he, you know, even was like starting to come around to the other side, you know, they yeah. had that, like whatever essay or something that, you know, they find on his dead body that was like, oh, I'm starting to realize. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, even with that, like implanted, uh, you know, it, it, it still gave this like little bit of, you know, overly, I, I think in some ways, overly optimistic idea that like still like Edward Norton's character was able to overcome this stuff, even though his younger brother didn't. You know, he was able to, and again, and like you know, like a, does it feel like a, like a PSA at this point? A now? little bit, like, yeah, and he, and also he did like it, so can you, and also yeah, and like no matter what happened in this movie yeah. that was tragic, like there's still this element of like, well, you know, he was out there and he like on his own steam became like a better person, you yeah. know, and all that, right. and it's like, 
you know, I don't know if that's really the case. Um, right. You know, I, I feel like movies like, you know, honestly, like Year of the Dragon and this movie in particular, I think are much more, you know, to me personally, more valuable to that kind of conversation yeah. than a movie like American History X. With I think it's still, you know, an important film and I think it's still a very good movie. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were certain things about now looking at, you know, other movies that have dealt with like, you know, race in a very sort of like upfront way. Right. Um, you know, I, I think I prefer the ones that really sort of like uh, entrench themselves in the ambiguity of it and yeah. the difficulty of it and the nuance of it and don't present, you know, even this little bit of like fantasy of a, like a clear answer of like, no, you can you can become this good person, you yeah. know, like pretty easily. It's just all you need to do is change your mindset, man. Right. You know, it's like it's not really like that, though, either. It's I feel like I, like I want to say that, you know. I like those movies too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel I haven't watched Green Book either, but like, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like when I watch it, because I would still like to watch it, I feel like I won't be as, you know, I don't know, angry as the rest of the world, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm just like, it's a movie. Yeah. You know, so already, you know, like it's a extremely loose version of a history I don't know about, Mm -hmm. but I'd kind of be a fool to sit in a theater and say like, well, yeah, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. Like exactly what happened. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Ben Affleck was at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And there was this (laughs) whole love story. Uh You know, Jack and, you know, Jack and Rose existed on the fucking Titanic. All these, all these white (laughs) kids playing baseball together in Hawaii. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like all this really happened. So yeah, there's and I, I think that I think that kind of perspective I, I I don't think I would have had that sort of perspective like ten years ago right. to be honest with you but like now I feel like I can comfortably say that you know even though it says it's based on a true story I, it, to me it's just not a true story I'm just watching right. fiction yeah run amok well that yeah a lot of movies have also made light of the you know the you know paradoxical and oxymoronic <laughs> nature of the term true story correct you know it's like that you know Fargo most you know oh yeah. Most famously, I think, you know, this is a true story is like, yeah. well, yeah, it is a true story. Right. It is actually a story right, right. <laughs> being told. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, more so, I think like Green Book and, you know, other movies of that ilk, I think more so like the backlash is around the fact that it's like it's 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 like war profiteering in a way. It's like it's like, it like selling a really serious topic that's like, you know, a really major thing in society that needs to be addressed as entertainment. It's like propaganda. Uh, not, not not really propaganda, but just like kind of like, you know, basically just stripping something that's like really visible in society right now and stripping it of all of its actual importance and substance and just selling it as a piece of entertainment. Okay. You know, kind of undercuts the entire like issue and, you know, and the need to address the issue, Uh um, especially when you kind of, you know, candy coat it in these, you know, sort of platitudes. It's all cotton candy. Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's anchovies, man. Anchovies. Anchovies. Um, the heart of the problem that I think like just a lot of filmmaking has nowadays is they don't trust the audience to those things. And, you know, there's some degree, you know, uh, uh, there's some logic behind that because Mm -hmm. I don't think, you know, audiences in general watching movies are watching them as intelligently as maybe audiences were in the 1970s. Right. When like auteur cinema and cinema was still considered much more of like a, you know, a, a a highbrow form. Mm -hmm. Um, Nowadays, it's go for it. Uh, you know, nowadays it's uh, you know things have become. 
I think they've swung too far onto the entertainment side is like my personal gripe. Yeah. That like it's lowered the level of conversation for a lot of people. So when movies do come out, Mm -hmm. excuse me, that do try to like trust the audience with being able to like handle some level of like nuance and challenging subject matter that like audiences really aren't, you know, they got so many options. Like if you just want to watch dumb shit for the rest of your, there's enough on Netflix alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Don't even count Hulu, Amazon, all the other (laughs) streaming services like Netflix alone you could only watch dumb movies and dumb TV for the rest of your life and like never have to be exposed to that type of stuff. And it's like, right. if you, if that's the level of conversation that like you're having on a regular basis, when you see something that's challenging, mm-hmm. it becomes much more, you know, you're much quicker to like shut it off. Yeah. And just like immediately one thing I don't like, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go watch something stupid again. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that's, so I, I understand why a lot of filmmakers don't, make films that trust the audience mm-hmm. you know because oftentimes you shouldn't because <laughs> i'm sorry i uh a lot of dumb people i wanted um, to read a a, a part of uh anyway so i love that that you know that was one of the things that i loved about this movie so yeah. much was like i felt like it was really like giving me credit as like an intelligent enough person to as you said to weed through these things right you know and really like look, take all of this stuff together and not just focus on like just this one thing that happened mm-hmm. in two minutes of this two hour and 35 minute film yeah you know you have to consider all of it right and like that's just like the people that are being you have to consider all of it in yeah. order to address any of it mm-hmm. you know so yeah no i wanted to I got a uh, little director's commentary. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Bobby, uh, looking at looking up some press kits. Looking up some press kits here. Got the director's statement from S. Craig Zoller talking about uh, dragged. Um, this is just to highlight a lot of things that you were saying. Uh, but uh, S. Craig Zoller says my approach. Um, what do you call it to uh, to the music of the movie? Because the music has some, you know, the OJ's. Oh and man, a couple of, so, so such, it's so good. <laughs> such, such such good movies, uh, such good music. Yeah. Uh, his his approach to the music was uh, non intrusive and precise, uh, because I have faith in the script and the actors. I don't need to tell the audience how to feel about what is happening. Fuck yes. The emotions should come from the content of the film, and if they if they don't, I don't want to force it down somebody's throat. Are you with, listening, Christopher Nolan? With, Are you listening, Christopher Nolan? With with somebody's. <laughs> I don't want to ram it. I don't want to force it down someone's throat with quote sad music or suspenseful music. With my editors, I cut the entirety of Bone Tomahawk and Brawl with zero music in place. And afterwards, uh, once every scene worked to its maximum potential, I added musical grace notes in the right spaces with my co-composer Jeff uh, Harrod. Uh, the scope and environment of Dragged Across Concrete is bigger than those pictures, and there's a larger sense of a larger sense of American communities and how they do or do not coexist. In this modern concrete landscape, a jazz orchestra illustrates the many hues of Ridgeman, Anthony, Henry Jones, Biscuit, Melanie, Kelly Summer, and the others who struggle to find their melodies. Herrett and I show influences of hard bop composers slash leaders like Charles Mingus, Black Saint and the Center Lady, John Coltrane, Africa, Bass, and Oliver Nelson, as well as great modern jazz leader Maria Schneider. Uh, and the jazzy taxi driver score by Bernard Harmon, mm. one of his best, through our senses of melody and, and harmony are quite different and resulted in a new take on composed orchestrated jazz. That's awesome. Boom. That's so awesome. Boom. I mean, that is, yeah, that is the exact right approach to music and movies that most people don't take. Yeah. 
They, yeah. yeah, as I said, Christopher <laughs> Nolan, I think, is one of the biggest. And I, I really like Christopher Nolan, aside from Dunkirk, was terrible. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he's extraordinarily guilty of that. Um, and that might, you know, and that's really Hans Zimmer a lot as well. Is like, yeah. you know, no, it's like, it's already there. I don't need the emotions, yeah, like, you know, force-fed to me by this music. You know, in this movie in particular, too, like, I, I'm pretty sure, aside from the opening credits and the ending credits, I think all the music is diegetic. Like, it all comes from something in the scene. There's Ma- never, mainly there's never, the, mainly the cars. Yeah. That yeah. There's never like score right. that's just like movie score. Yes. It's always like a radio is playing mm-hmm. or, yeah, in the car. You know, there's a really this, I thought one of the most incredible uses of music in the movie was at the end when um, Mel Gibson and um, uh, uh, Tori Kittle's uh, character, mm-hmm. fuck was his name again, um, guy got out of prison. Uh, oh, uh, John. I think it's John. Yeah. John, John Henry. Um, but yeah, he, uh, so the, the, you know, John is towing this, you know, you, he's driving this, uh, SUV and towing Mel Gibson's car. Right. And it's just, they're both sitting in their drive in individual driver's seats and they both turn on the radio yeah. and both radios turn on to the same song. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that was so perfect for this movie in particular. Just uh-huh. be like, you know, even though they have these enormous perceived differences between the two of them, like yeah. they do not see eye to eye with each other, you know, no, not like, at all. Yeah. Not even a little and bit. And in this moment, they're both pulling out guns. Yeah. Oh yeah. To hide from one another yeah. just in case. No, it is so yeah. perfectly just like you are the same people, you know, like yes. you don't even understand, oh, like you're dude. listening to the same yeah. music. You're doing the <laughs> same thing. You're pu- you're just as distrusting of the other one yeah, yeah. as you, like you're, you're the same thing, right. you know? And like, that was so, and again, like that was never said. Nobody ever points that later in the movie. Like, Oh, didn't you ever realize like you and him, they're just kind of two <laughs> sides of the same coin. Right. It's like, no, it never needed. It was just done with like, all we had to do was like turn on the radio and they both turn on the same piece of music. Yeah. And then like perform a little bit of the same action. You're just like, fuck that just, and that was one of the most powerful moments of the movie for me. Yeah. It was like that really just, that drives it home. Like so beautifully. I, uh, I, t- I mentioned to you when we got out, like there's all these, um, you know, there's all these, visual signposts I saw in the movie mm-hmm. that w- it's like we were, you know, a good portion of the movie is Mel Gibson and, and Vince Vaughn. Yeah. If I hope you've watched it as you're still listening. Yes. Yeah. Um, following, you know, uh, uh, following this, like uh, this foreign guy who's supposedly has a lot of money because they want to rob him. Yeah. Uh, they've been suspended for six weeks and so they, they need some cash. So this is their, this is their ticket. Yeah, they're easy tickets, so to speak. So, uh, and it just gets more complicated and complicated from then on. But um, a majority of the movie is they're they're in a car following, you know. Uh, first, it's 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 the you know the the foreign guy, and then it's you know Tori Kittles and Michael Jai White's character, you know, who end up becoming Biscuit. part of it. Biscuit, <laughs> um, and then um, and then the, th- the thing I really liked is once we get into you know uh, a cityscape. For, for the movie that, uh, you know, there's a there's a part in it where there's a bank, a bank robbery going on. And um, oh, Henry Johns, Henry Johns. Yeah, not John okay, Henry, not, not John. the uh, yeah, the uh, railroad legend. There you go. OK, there you go. Henry Johns, Henry yeah. Johns. That's Tori Kittle's name. Yeah. And then um, so once we get to the cityscape, there's a there's a part in the movie where Vince Vaughn is just like, OK, do we do we engage them, you know, here? 
And um, there's this kind of great running bit with like percentages that happens halfway through the movie where, you know, they're going back. Part about, of Mel Gibson's. Yeah. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 50 percent, 60 percent. Yeah. You know, and Vince Vaughn is always like, well, what about the other 40 or the other right. 30? You know? Yeah. Uh, like, I don't want to. Don't tell me a fucking percentage. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just thought that 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 part of it was just like every other movie does, you know, that was like the heat moment. Right. Have, yeah. It was like, right? let's do this shootout in like the busiest, yes. crazy, most production value, you know, area of right. the city. And it's just like, no, you would never do that. Like, yeah, if you're actually considering the lives of like innocent bystanders. That yes. would be the worst place to engage in a firefight. Yeah. It's like a busy downtown area, <laughs> yeah, you know, because right. yeah. you're going to have all sorts of <laughs> casualties. Right. You know? um, so there were a lot of moments in the movie like that for me where it was just kind of like, hey, we're going down, you know, the road of like true, f- not, not that like, you know, action movies are not true filmmaking or not that there's any skill to, you know, all of those like set pieces and setting that up. But it's like for the purposes of that conversation, the movie for me was like, hey, we're going down you know, the the true form of like the gray area and filmmaking and really wanting to ask questions and say stuff with our dialogue, our action, our pacing and everything that's happening. And we're going to pass up all of the detours Mm -hmm. that conventional movies that get, you know, 30,000 screens across the country, you know, showing would take you. So, no, we're not going to do the shootout in the city. You know, we're you know, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be overly violent. But when we are violent, you're going to fucking feel it. Yeah. And it's going to be, you know, something fucking tragic. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Violence is not used frivolously in this movie. No. I mean, when it, when it happens, it's like, I mean, it's a real, I mean, it's a real like tonal shift. Like when it happens, you don't want it to happen. Right. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, there were were several times in this movie that I found myself like, (laughs) you know, like putting my hand up to my mouth because I was just like, Oh dear. Oh, totally, you know, involuntarily like doing this because I was just like, holy shit. Like, yeah. No, I felt that. Like, right. dude, guns are bad. You know, like, yeah. these things are killing machines. <laughs> um, everything that it's utilizing that has like these, yeah, controversial, you know, superficially controversial kind of uh, connotations to it, it leverages them all in a way that's like, no, 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 we're not using this to just be like sensationalist. Yeah. We're using this because this is a real thing and like this, and it's going to have the impact that it has. Yeah. You know, on the people that it's inflicted upon in this movie. Right. Like, and you're going to feel that and you're going to see that being felt, mm-hmm. you know, and it uh, again, and like Kelly on both. Summer. Uh, oh, man, dude, Kelly on, Summer on, on just, both sides of yeah. the coin, too. Like, you know, when some when they do do something like that is genuinely like these are good people, you feel that as well. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, after when the you know, when they see the aftermath of that whole bank robbery and they're having that discussion about like. We could have stopped that. Just the shot of it. The shot of them driving past it. Amazing. They didn't even go into the fucking bank with that shot. Other movies, you'd have a fucking crime scene. Yeah, you'd have a camera flying through there, like seeing the people screaming on the floor and like all that. Yellow tape. You know, you'd have... uh, I needed some bloody underwear, man. That's it. (laughs) That's it. Because he threatened to cut his balls off. And he he did it. It, Certainly, there must have been somebody else back there. And (laughs) and you know what? Like, you know, like Vince Vaughn really says it, sells it in that in that scene, too, because he just gets he has like a conflict of like, fuck. Oh, yeah. No, like like, that's probably like the one moment in the movie, even though as we're getting closer to the bank, he's kind of like doubting what's happening. Like, that's the moment where he was just like, fuck, I know now I know I crossed like the line. Yeah, I'm kind of like in no matter what. Right. Now I have to like make this as right as I can. Yeah, exactly. It was like this isn't even about like the money anymore. The money like is sort of secondary to the fact that like, you know, 
we kind of fucked this up. Right, exactly. And, you know, our our greed put us in this position where other people got hurt. Yeah. And, like, you know, the characters actually feel that. Mm-hmm. And um, and even, those, you know, even the, like, secondary characters in the movie oh, yeah. have that element. Yeah. Um, you know, like, at first, I thought, you know, when, when I first saw uh, Michael Jai White's character, Biscuit, uh-huh. um, like, you know, picks up Henry from prison, takes him to fuck this prostitute, brings him home, and he's like, hey, you know, if you want some more work, like, let me know. And you're just like, at first you're like, oh man, this is like the guy that like tries to bring him back in, you know, to yeah, the yeah. dark side and all that. And then like as their relationship develops over the movie, you're like, man, actually, I kind of feel for this dude, you know? Yeah. Like, he's, I think he's kind of just in it as much as Henry is, you right. know, that like he's, yeah. he's kind of stuck. Right. And doesn't really know a better way out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and is, is just sort of like as trapped as Henry is. So yeah, it's like yeah. really even having that kind of about face with like a secondary character um was was really impressive i mean again this movie uses its runtime well yeah you know it uses that two and a half hours to do things yeah even when sometimes it feels like we're just on a stakeout because sometimes you are like (laughs) you're just sitting in the car the the real time (laughs) the real time feel of a stakeout yep yeah I guess one one element we haven't touched on yet is the cinematography in the film i was just about to come to that myself holy shit okay the camera never moves in this movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, sometimes it's like on a car that's driving. Yeah. But never once is the camera itself like on a dolly or on a slider or a jib or like, you know, a fucking drone or even like pans or tilts on a tripod. It's mm-hmm. just every shot is a static shot. And it's like it's it's wide. Yeah. It's just like, like Most, it's just, oh, yeah. Just, you're seeing the whole. Mostly wides. Yeah. You know what really I mean? only like, getting the close ups during like those long conversations sometimes between like. Yeah. Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn. And even then there's not there's not like a medium shot from like, you know, from Mel Gibson's window to Vince Vaughn or vice versa. Right. There's yeah. none of that or or like behind them over the so- shoulder like diagonally like mm-hmm. crossing or something like that. Yeah. It's I, just straight through the front of the windshield. Yep. But there was this the really great like when he um that uh, convenience store robbery. Oh yeah. When it just sits on this wide shot and like <laughs> literally over the course of like 60 seconds for different reasons, this guy shoots like everything in the frame. Yeah. It's like upper left corner, bottom left corner, <laughs> bottom right corner, upper right corner, you know? And there was like a reason for all of them, except the last one. He just shoots a bunch of potato chips on yeah. the way out for no reason other than yeah. just like, fuck this. <laughs> but I thought that was such a good, like also just kind of like visual, you know, what great movies do, too, is, like, they they teach the audience how to watch them. And it's just, it's so wonderful and, like, just refreshing to see somebody that's like, no, we don't, let's not do anything with the camera that we don't need to. You know, yeah. we don't need to artificially apply any of this shit to this film. Because, mm-hmm. again, we trust the yeah. script and the actors and every, you know, to just do it right. Right. Hey. I, like, you, you and I both walked out, you know, the theater saying, like, uh, like really like applauding like Vince Vaughn's performance, yeah, in this movie. Oh yeah, and I think that I'm not a fan. I mean, I'm I mean I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm a fan. This of is Vince the Vaughn. first time I've seen him in a movie that yeah. I was like, wow, I really thought he was great. Yeah, and I mean he is in this movie. Yeah, and that's excellent. that's also a credit to like I think what you're talking what you're talking about in terms of like you know the frame and what we're showing because it's like you know S. Craig Zoller is highlighting him yeah. and Mel Gibson and is, is telling you like. Yo, Vince can tell Vince can, you know, fucking show you that like him and his partner fucked up in this scene. Mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, 
I don't have to do anything visually to yeah, tell you that. Yeah, we didn't go handheld and like yeah. make it all like off kilter, you know, like, right. oh, things are fucked up now. And it doesn't even need to be like loud. Yeah. He's not like screaming in it. Like, I think the most he does is what he like, he punches the door yeah. or something like in that scene or something like that. But he was like really, really great. They were, yeah, and, him and, and we should, and Mel Gibson we should too. talk about Mel Gibson a bit too, because yeah. I mean, that is, you know, that is some really <laughs> ballsy casting. It is. Yeah. To cast <laughs> Mel Gibson as a racist police officer. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And I, you know what? Like I applaud him for it. Like I thought it, it really worked well for the movie. And on top of it too, I was impressed with how much I was forgetting that it was Mel Gibson. Yeah. You know, like he was just that character. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, he's God, you know, for all the awful, awful things about that man. Yeah. Holy shit, can he act? Yeah, it's good. And he's really <laughs> he's good. good. And I mean, and again, like, you know, acting is reacting. It's been said a million times, but like, I feel like he helped get Vince Vaughn to that place as well. Like, yeah. The fact that they were always, I mean, I'm, excuse me, there's maybe like a handful of scenes where Vince Vaughn is not with Mel Gibson yeah, and vice yeah. versa. They're usually together. Together. We get, a, you know, a bit of their individual, I think we get more of Mel Gibson's sort of like home life. Yes, than we do, we do of, Vince. of Vince Vaughn's. But, you know, most of the movie, having the two of them together is like the way that they work off of each other is just really incredible yeah. to see. Um, and I think that might have been what helped get Vince Vaughn to the place where I was like, yes, you are in character now. I yeah. buy that you are this guy because that's always been my problem with him. Right, right, right. Is I'm not buying him yeah, as yeah, these yeah. characters. And like, you know, Brawl and Cell Block 99, that was my big issue with that movie. True Detective Season 2 obviously had a well, million yeah, problems. Was, but yeah. But again, like he also wasn't, you know, he was supposed to be this kingpin, right? You know, and all yeah, this. But yeah, this, yeah. it was like he was he was part of a whole. Yes. You know, and and he was exceptional at it, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and yeah, and what what him and Mel Gibson brought to these characters, like you know, uh, unfortunately, part of the casting of Mel Gibson might have been, you know, just that like. Hey, he can bring something really real to this character. Yeah, right. Because um, he's kind of this piece of shit. But you know, in a way, it was like the movie was saying, like you know, hopefully it's not perceived as like you know giving him a full pass or like completely forgiving this guy for no, his yeah, past yeah, transgressions. Yeah. But in a way, it was kind of saying like he's a prime example of exactly what this movie's saying. It's like you need to really look at a lot more yeah. about this person than just like this one thing that right. was you know. Then you know. Then judging them for like their absolute judging them for the rest of their life based on their worst day. Yes. You know, that type of attitude. Like that's, you know, that's uh, again, he shouldn't be excused for it. But also that's kind of, you know, what what happened. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and and putting him in that role, I thought it gave it this like without making it like totally like breaking the fourth wall. It gave it this metatextual component to what was being discussed in this movie that I thought made it kind of like hit home a little bit more even. Yeah. You know. Uh, All right. Favorite scene. So, or man. pick pick one of them. Fuck yeah! Come on. And, um, so from the moment the movie started to the moment it ended True. is my favorite scene. Cool, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, I mean, I think I I did really the scene I mentioned before when they both get into their cars and turn on uh, the oh, cars yeah, to the yeah, same yeah. piece of music okay, like yeah. that. I mean, that was like a really yeah. I thought just kind of beautiful in a way, like you know, way of conveying character and theme and narrative like mm-hmm. all at once with just like a really simple perfect choice yeah um but uh i mean you know that like that opening stakeout when they're just sitting on that fire escape and like that initial like oh, back yeah. and forth banter between <laughs> vince like with your first introduction to these characters is so perfect even though he vince vaughn walks up the stairs yeah it's like he's not even being quiet about <laughs> it stomping it's just stomping up the stairs <laughs> 
um that like that scene was was really excellent um there was there was another yeah that you know i won't repeat here even even with the spoiler alert i there are certain things i don't want to ruin in this movie for anyone oh yeah yeah. but yeah, there yeah. is yes, yes. there are two words spoken yes, in, in, a, in an interaction between two characters that is like one of my favorite things i've seen in a movie like ever <laughs> <laughs> i think it, more for more so for the response oh yeah do you know what i mean like it was just the the delivery of the response because it's between tori kittles and mel gibson yeah that's we'll say that it's and you'll know it when you see it yeah um but yeah you know uh yeah like yeah it was like i like i had it was just so good that like i had to laugh yeah even though i I knew it was like okay i you know this isn't something really to laugh at because like what's really being said here is is (laughs) horrible but fuck that's funny though yeah um but that, it also you know like that I, was amazing but i mean honestly that that you know that set the the bank the bank sequence scene, yeah. is i mean that is really hard to fuck like from from when our introduction of uh mrs summer uh yeah through to them witnessing the aftermath and coming to this giant moral dilemma of like right. what did we just let happen yeah you know like that whole sequence was like master class yeah i mean in just everything about filmmaking mm-hmm. um that yeah i just it's it's hard to say that there is legitimately like a better sequence in that movie than that, you know. Even though I would, yeah, yeah even yeah. though everything's great, that yeah. was just like holy fuck, yeah, right. This is you know, this is the real core of this movie. Yes. you know, is right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in every way, yeah. Uh, so I'd say yeah, that that would definitely be it. But but yeah, those other moments. I mean, there's so many standout moments in this movie. The moment I just thought about it right now. The moment you're talking about with the with the two words said by Tori Kittles and, and Mel Gibson. I it just kind of dawned on me that. Mel Gibson's response to him while while we really know what he like is saying and probably wants to say, I think is also a jab at the level of intelligence he sees come from Tori Kittles, mm-hmm. you know, in interacting with him. Yeah. Because Tori Kittles is not your is not like your, you know, cliche black, you know, thug in this movie. Right. You yeah. Know, he's a very highly intelligent, very intelligent in, yeah. individual, you know. Um, it's just he he picks and chooses uh, you know, smartly so like where to where to bring it out. Right. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, as he says, sometimes it's good to be underestimated. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. And so um, I also just, I like, I kind of, I just thought about it right now when you were talking about it. I was just like, yeah, might have been a slight jab as well to be like, totally. Well, yeah. you're not the smartest one here either. So, right. do you know, like, <laughs> fuck off or you know, whatever, you know? <laughs> um, but no, was, yeah, that, yeah. And, and we should mention too that, like, for how good, you know, we've been sort of raving about Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson for a yeah. little bit in this movie, and they are excellent. Uh, Tori Kittle is kind of like, yeah. quietly steals the whole movie out he from really underneath does. each of them like he is you know he doesn't get as much screen time as them but um, he uses it but oh my god yeah good. he is like from the you know the opening scene in the movie that you were describing when he you know gets out of jail and we sort we start to see what his situation is mm-hmm. i was i was like in love with this guy from that moment uh, like that first like 10 minutes or whatever it was just immediately like fuck i hope we see a lot more of this guy yeah and luckily we did but you know there's a for a while we kind of go off with uh, oh, yeah. with you know uh, Mel and, and Vince right right for a while and then you know of course their stories converge it is a movie after all so yeah. you probably could have guessed <laughs> that much but but I mean just all three of their performances are so amazing but I mean Tori Kittles was really like yeah for having that little screen time making that much of an impact yeah and just every little you know I, I'm not too familiar with him either so I feel like I've seen him in things I just, I just can't really yeah you know, I can't place it yeah, but I mean weird. he he was just so assured. 
and was just making all these incredible decisions and like, mm -hmm. yeah, feeling very authentic while also handling, you know, the S. Craig Zoller dialogue very yeah, well, yeah. you know, which I don't think every actor can do. No. You know, it's pretty, again, it's very stylized. Right, right. Uh, but if you really understand what these lines are and what they mean, like there's a way to make them sound completely authentic, even though they're very much like this is S. Craig Zoller, the writer, right, you know, his right. voice. Um, and, and he just nailed it. I mean, mm -hmm. just fucking nailed it. Like really, really impressive stuff. Yeah. I definitely. will be seeking out like more. I want to like look at his IMDb page. It's like, what else you've been in, man? Yeah. So I got to watch some <laughs> of this stuff and just, cause holy shit. Is he good? Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, God, man, what else about this movie, dude? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's like, just watch it. Just watch it again. Like, I immediately <laughs> wanted to watch it as soon as it was over yeah. last night. <laughs> I wanted to watch here. it again, like, right away. Yeah, you just, I think it, when we walked out, you were like, anytime you're going to watch this movie, because um, since it's on VOD, it's I'm like, in, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I am so down. I mean, yeah, like, when we were at dinner, I pre-ordered the Blu-ray, because I'm like, I have to own this. Yeah. I need to have this movie. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to mention that just, like, I... I can't believe how many good movies I've already seen this year. You know, it's end of March and like between like just between Birds of Passage, oh yeah, Climax and Dragged Across Concrete, uh the, these are like if if all three of these movies aren't in my top 5 by the end of the year, then like we have so much to look forward to this year. Take it easy. Endgame and Star Wars is still <laughs> still about to come well, out, Dorian. Okay, yeah. take it easy, relax. Not my jam. <laughs> not my not my tempo, Bobby. <laughs> oh yeah, fair enough. Fair um, enough. Well, well, I think we I think we covered some I think we we covered some ground that concrete is on. We did. <laughs> yeah. Uh I would like to say that the soundtrack is out. Yeah, oh yeah. Please download that yeah, on both, Apple Music. <laughs> Bobby came over this morning and I had it playing on the TV and he yes. was like, "Oh, you bought it too?" Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> Got that this morning. Both just yeah, excellent. Just great music. Um yeah, uh, I think that's all we got for Dragged Across Concrete. Yeah, I think it's. I just want to watch it again now after having this whole discussion. Same here. So yeah, um, it, like we said, it's it's out now on uh, video on demand. Yeah, and uh, it might still be playing in some theaters across yeah. the country. So if it is at a theater near you, definitely, definitely go check it out. Um, as we were recording right now, the uh, one of the production company companies liked a tweet. Nice that I had. Yeah, uh, it's a. Called uh, Cinestate. It's uh, one of the production companies that that has backed a lot of Zoller's films. Nice. And yeah. so uh, they actually on their uh, Twitter feed have a a schedule of the um, theaters that it's playing in across the country. Oh, beautiful! This Friday, this past uh, today or yesterday when we went to go see it is when this is when this popped up, and uh, it's actually kind of funny. It's got the little the little kids. Uh, Aww, <laughs> <laughs> booty. That, Make sure uh, this gets to Jackson. Kelly Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So um so yeah, definitely look up Cinestate on Twitter uh for that for that image and you know, go see it in the theaters if it's at a theater. It's definitely worth Ooh, nice. It is playing in Seattle. Seeing, I've been, seeing I was telling Trimp. Oh nice. See, okay. Yeah, there's a Seattle theater on there. So. Sweet, sweet. Hell yeah. Well, yes. Uh if you were Foolish enough, I dare say, to listen to this whole podcast without having watched the movie. I would still urge you to watch the movie. Hopefully this gets you more excited to exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think there's so much that we did not touch upon in no. this film or you know, intentionally circumlocuted uh, to not spoil certain elements to it. That Yeah, I mean, there's it's just a tremendous piece of filmmaking. No, nothing we could say could ever like diminish the impact of like what watching this movie is actually like. Right. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's really something special. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. We'll be back uh, next week with, uh, I think we're doing High Life next yeah, week. Yeah, we might end up doing, I get the feeling we're going to be doing another like trailer than full movie review. Okay. We're both really pumped about High for Life. For sure. No, uh, yes, yes. So we're going to review the trailer for High Life next week, and then it's going to be playing right. at Music Box, and so we might just see it. And if, you know, if we have as strong of a reaction to it as we did about you know, beach bum or dragged across concrete right. on opposite yeah. ends of the spectrum. We'll probably be back yeah. to uh, to do a, a full deep dive on that. But um, who knows? We don't like to plan ahead all that much no, uh, when it comes to don't. this. Fly off, you know, especially after watching this Larry Cohen doc. It's like, now, nah, man, just get out there and do it. I know, right? Just do it. <laughs> if you haven't watched this Larry Cohen documentary on Shudder, yeah. first of all, get Shudder. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, but it's called uh, King Cohen. And it's really, 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 really fucking great documentary yeah. about this guy. Big loss to, yeah, he to just the genre passed away, world. Yeah, uh, this big, past big week. Loss. And yeah, if you don't know who Larry Cohen is, do do yourself a favor and yeah. fucking get educated. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about some Larry Cohen jams because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna sit down and watch a few. Yeah. <laughs> Next week, Black Caesar. Yes. Um, I will say, if you're interested in reaching out to us, please email at guysonthecouch at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know if you think we sh- there's a trailer that you think we should talk about or you want to hear Dorian rip apart. <laughs> I always enjoy it. Um, and then, uh, you know, Facebook is The Couch. Twitter is uh, Guys on Couch. And uh, inst- uh, Instagram is also Guys on Couch. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Yeah, thanks again. And uh, don't forget to check out Sean Hildner's podcast, Edgar's Secrets of the Tower. <laughs> Since he forgot to plug it last week. Well, there you go. We'll throw you a bone. Yeah. That's what it's called, right? <laughs> I know it's Edgar. We're such terrible friends. Know, really We're bad. really bad. <laughs> he this listens is, to us every week. He does. He's not going to listen anymore. His podcast is like 45 it's, seconds long. Also, I'm like, ah. It's going to go. Our our listeners is just going to go down from 40 to 39. And I know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know exactly who it's going to be. I mean, he's practically like chairman of the board of this podcast. So he, is. he could it, probably shut us down. It'd be a be heavy. Honest. It'd be yeah. a heavy loss if he stopped listening. <laughs> it would be. Please listen to Sean Hildner's podcast. Edgard, Secrets of the Forgotten Tower. Secrets of the Forgotten Tower. Secrets of the go. Forgotten Tower. I forgot one word. If well, you're a lover of D&D, if you're a lover of... I don't know if I... What did he call it? He called it a text text adventure. Yeah, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I forgot the word forgotten, which, you know, I think that's forgivable. Yeah. Uh, and also, is it really that forgotten, Sean? I mean, you're talking about it every week. So I feel like it's at least somewhat in the consciousness. You know what? We don't need to get into that. Secrets of the Forgotten Tower. Dude, you just. <laughs> I feel like that's I something. I feel like at like... this point it's been remembered, you know? Like, <laughs> is it really forgotten? You talk about it every week. Wow. So that was the equivalent of. Um, uh, that was like a that was like a Mel and Vince yeah. <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> well, I'm inspired. What can I say? Hey, it's, yeah. it's it's fine. It's fine. Sean, I love you. We love you. Yeah. Later. We love you, dude. See ya.